Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. On today's podcast, I have a very special guest. His name is Dane Maxwell, and you'll learn a bit about his journey and mine, how they intertwine together so we could make Arena Rivals. Uh, Dane Maxwell is the uh, creator of the foundation, and I would consider him to be the online Yoda of SAS. He's got an amazing, incredible heart, um, but also a, a willingness to get vulnerable with clients. And I originally found him through a friend of mine and uh, started to work with him, and we'll get into the details later, but eventually we got to the point of actually building a multiplayer VR game called Arena Rivals unlike any other. And so I'll talk with him a little about his journey and our journey and how it all came together. And so without any further delay, I'd like to welcome my friend, my buddy, Dane Maxwell. Yes. <laughs> you beautiful man. How you doing today, brother? I'm excited. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, man. So today we're going to be rapping about Arena Rivals. So just a little bit of a background. Um, and maybe you'd like to say a little bit too, is you've never done, you've never created virtual reality application before, have you? No, no, definitely not. Very green behind the ears. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all good and wonderful. So um, maybe say a little bit about your background, and then I can talk about how I connected with you in the first place, and then what was the genesis for this? How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so what is your what is your background in the entrepreneurial space? Um, I know how to build businesses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't come in that way. Like, but I, well, in terms of business, I guess I just built a lot of SaaS products. I, le I learned how to build software companies mm -hmm. and I don't code, right? I hire, I hire teams and stuff. And so I took all that experience and I wrote a book and I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. I could say, <laughs> so, I could say so many darn things about that. Yeah. So uh, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, turned me on to you. His name is CK Lynn. And when I was trying to figure out online sales and what to do and how to do it, he goes, you know what? You should listen to this podcast. I think it's really good. And so I, I went and started listening to your Start From Zero podcast. And what I loved about it, it felt like you were speaking to me. The way you were talking about it is like, you have nothing. You start from zero. You've got to figure this thing out. What do you do? How do you, and then, you I mean, you put your money where your mouth is in terms of you bring on people into the podcast where you would actually, in real time, live uh, uh, live coach them, even if they have them, if they're not coders or programmers or or you know successful entrepreneurs or anything. You would you and you'd give so much value inside those podcasts that I felt inspired to then uh, take a look at the book that you released, which was the uh, Start from Zero book. Is that is that what it was called? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, when I say read, always assume Audible because I'm an audio listener, so I just pretty much put anything down through the Audible format, and. Uh, and from there, went a part of that and got, got towards the book. And then you had a, a special opportunity where you started doing an actual, um, you started doing an actual uh, private group. A, how do you say this? A, a private community online that I ended up joining. Oh, by the way, our buddy CK just joined the thing, so we can we can see his messages in here. I can say we can say what up, CK. Um, yeah, dude, CK, I didn't know that. I didn't know that CK introduced. <laughs> yeah so you're part of this you're part of arena rivals yeah yeah it was uh uh it was, it was beautiful actually it was 
just talked to him about an hour ago. Um, you should put you should put the goarenarivals.com URL below us. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Um, I will do that. I'll drop that in right now. Do 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 do. Three. Yeah, yeah you guys can go to goarenarivals.com. There we go. So you can take a look at that. That's um, we actually have private beta testing right now. So if you're interested in uh, playing a multiplayer game that is focused on curating an uplifting community of highly competitive gamers that want to make friends and build a positive brain, you can actually go to goarenarivals.com and sign up as a private beta. Now, um, in a shortly, we're going to be coming out with a public. But if you want to get in before that and help curate and create this, um, invite you to go sign up to goarenarivals.com. Um, CK included. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a, uh, so Dylan, then it's not like a multiplayer competitive game that makes you a more angry person and frustrated. Yeah. The, the goal is to do the exact opposite of that. And that's how we both, we both, uh, came to it is, um, one of the things that I, I loved when I was working with you, part of the, the inner circle of starters is that the combination of both entrepreneur make money successful, but not from the perspective of, of, I would say kind of, um, dominate, win, crush, make this happen. It was actually you're actually of service to the someone. You're actually someone who is, um, how do I be of service to you? How do I connect with you? And how do I exchange value in a way that you feel good and I feel good at the end? And so it's more of a collaborative mutual exchange. And so with that intent and energy um, coming from it, we decided to um, really focus on actually building something better. And this was actually, uh, oddly enough, I was in one of the groups where you were talking and you just so happened to get like a Quest headset and you put on the Quest headset, and you're like, man, I really wish that someone would make the, a multiplayer game. I wanna make a multiplayer game the kind that I want. You know, it's, it's, it's fun, it's competitive, but it's also built with like love and compassion. And uh, I had such a deep connection with you. I was like, oh, um, that's multiplayer VR is kind of what we do. And it felt, it was just, it was just an odd synergy. And we, we, we jumped into that, so, um, with that, what was your perspective of, of that, of me and you meeting um, on that and taking the first steps on, on our journey together? Uh, it seemed, it seemed very like a divine grace to, to find you and, and build this game. Cause I, I was thinking about this. So this game is a business built around an idea within my soul or heart. And so there's this game inside my soul or heart that like my fingers want to play and my eyes want to look at and my body and mind wants to experience playing it. Like it burns and aches in me to want to play this particular kind of game. And I, I grew up bullied, badly bullied at like all the critical moments that would matter in your life. Like right as the sense of self is forming, it's like, hey, let's, <laughs> right, let's beat you up here. And like, okay, wait, right as the sense of self is recovering again, boom, let's nail you here. And it's like, wait, wait, I'll get to college. And that's when, that's when I sense a self, boom, bullied again in college. <laughs> It's like, dang, man, this is a this has been a gnarly journey for me. And so I was very I was very lonely and depressed growing up. And so I, I turned to games to, for comfort. And and a lot of times if a game was good, it would really provide a lot of solace for me, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, but a lot of times like a good game would get like destroyed in the sequel. Right. The sequel wouldn't be as good. Um, or sometimes anyway, and, and I ended up just getting really frustrated. Like most of the games that I would play, like even like the best, best of the best games, like you could say like Overwatch or Warcraft three or world of Warcraft or quake or any of these really, really popular games. If you actually sit down and honestly ask yourself, 
you probably we probably enjoy that game at like an 85 percent capacity like they're they're there's still like 15 percent that they're kind of screwing up that they could be making a lot better like it could be a lot more enjoyable and so i was like why aren't games being made the way that i want to see them made so um that that kind of like the impetus for the game um but there are there are like so there are a number of ways to start a business right one is you can find a problem and solve it mm -hmm. another is you could become an expert and exchange your expertise another is you could hire experts and then you own the experts and publish them right another is that you could just like an accidental business where you're like oh my god i didn't realize this is a business and then here it is a business is in front of you and then another model is like a a soul karmic level business you're like you're like this is your divine purpose to be here um and there's all these different frameworks to start a business from and arena rivals was sort of the the next iteration of a business that i wanted to start um that wasn't the other ways i had done like i've done all i've started businesses where i'm the expert i've started businesses where i've hired experts i've started businesses where i found problems i started accidental businesses and i've done soul like a line like this is part of my this is part of my journey and purpose to be your kind of business i've done all of them uh um the one i hadn't done yet was make a business that i wanted to actually like use the product for um that i actually wanted to enjoy so like that for myself because like my, most of my stuff was like what's your problem will you buy it okay i'll build it for you mm. this one was i want to make something that i want to use and I've been very successful building all these other businesses, um, millions and millions of dollars of revenue in these other businesses, but they're, they're very like different. And those millions of dollars are very hard to learn how to make. Um, so, and they were actually less vulnerable than this game that we're making. Cause this game is very vulnerable. Cause it's like, I'm pulling this game out of like the depths of my heart and soul where those lonely periods were. And I'm building the game that I craved that I wish I could have had when I was going through those bully times in my life. This is the game that I wish existed when I was getting really, really badly bullied. Um, so it's like, it's deeply, it's deeply vulnerable. It's, it's a whole different level of building a business. And so most of my businesses, I need to go out and find people to build the product. In fact, all of them really, except for maybe like two out of 10, I'm, I'm building some form of the product, but most of the time I'm hiring an expert. So I got to like go to a job board and, and, and write a description and then try and like filter through like 50 applicants, you know, and then pick like the best one. And it's like, right. And then you're also going to the job board because, and then like, there's these are people that may not be the best in the world because they're not currently employed. So you got to kind of look through stuff. But it didn't happen with this with this arena rivals as soon as I as soon as so the, the, the root of the game started when I was deeply pissed and really frustrated that every time I got a new VR game, I'd be like, what the is this crap? Like I paid money for this and I literally 10 minutes in and I don't want to touch it anymore. And after I bought like I think I have like 30 games that I bought in VR, but the 30th game I was like, this is really pissing me off. I, I want to play a fun game. And so I was so deeply frustrated. I just internally, I said, yes. And as I said, yes, I felt my brain expand and all this. And ever since I said yes to that, the game has fallen into place in, 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 in a way that I can only explain 
as divine grace. Mm. Um, like I didn't, you, you came to me. I didn't post a job ad. I didn't go through 50 people. And then when you came to me, you're like, oh, hey, by the way, I have like one of the best coders in the world for multiplayer code. It's a really complicated, really expensive thing to build, but I got this guy that can do it. Oh, by the way, when it comes to design, I've got the guy that's designed art for Star Wars and Lucas Films who's ready to design your game. And I'm like, are you serious? Um, and you know, you got all this talent that you have, Dylan, over at Reality Smash, and 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 so it's been it's been a trip. So like, if you're looking for like frameworks that you could either recreate or think about in your life, you know, with the folks that are listening or will listen. Look for the area where you're just deeply dissatisfied and deeply frustrated and the problem and, and, and you're not happy. You're, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, you know what? I freaking hate all these television shows. I wish a television show was like this. Or, you know, I hate all these toothpaste, man. I wish a toothpaste was like this. Or I hate all these beard trimmers, you know, or I, or I hate all these VR games, you know, um, or I freaking hate Facebook. Um, and like find something that like literally stirs your soul because... I got to tell you, like with all the other five examples of businesses that I've started, right? I've started a business where I was the expert, where I hired an expert, where I found a problem, an accidental business, one that I felt like was my like divine karma at the time. And then this one, which was built on a deep personal frustration. Mm -hmm. um, if you find like there's nothing like it's, it's very it blows me away to try to articulate because it's such a new experience. Building this business has been the easiest business that I have ever embarked on. It's also been the most expensive, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's all good. Like the, the, money, <laughs> the money will return. Yeah. The multiplayer VR is, is, is well, VR games in general are expensive. VR games are even more expensive. Multiplayer VR games is one of the most expensive things you can do. I recently had Jesse Shell on one of the podcasts who is one of the top VR gamers, uh, VR designers in the world. And I asked him, are you, do you do VR multiplayer? He goes, no, it's too expensive and too difficult. I'm not, I don't touch that. Right. And it's one of those things that's, it's so hard to do, but we just so happen to dive into an area that we had a refined code base. <clears throat> We had a refined code base that allowed us to leverage that and springboard into what we got. And what does, that, what does that mean? You had a refined code base. So what that means is that very much how you said that, like you, you were looking at something and you hated, you, you loved VR, but then you hated, you hated these elements. You wanted to make something different for me when being an entrepreneur, I've been very intuitive to whatever I think I like and chances are other people will do that. That's what saved me in my last business by going through that. And then with VR, what happens? I backed a project on Kickstarter and it was called Oculus. And when I put that headset on, my mind was blown. My heart was blown open. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I played this Zelda game. Someone took all the graphics and it's probably illegal, but stole it, put it all down. I played it. And my, I was like, this is what I want to do. And then several years went by. I was building that, creating a community, teaching people, teaching people, you know, from USC, MIT, all that stuff, how to build and create VR experiences. You know, you kind of lose the little bit of the passion, but then I hit multiplayer and I had my first multiplayer experience where I went in and I connected with someone. I was like, oh my God, you're a person. Are you really? And it was just, the mind was blown again. Okay. This is what I want to do. I know it's incredibly hard and incredibly difficult, but this is, this is where we're going. Cause that, that was my sensation. And one of the things that someone said a long time, I don't remember where it came from. Things that are hot now are going to be cold later. Things that are hard now are going to be hot later. And knowing that multiplayer VR is where we want to get, we created one of the very first VR multiplayer climbing games called Sweet Escape VR years ago, 2016, 
right? And because of that, we've been able to build it and iterate it and, and go from there. So we had a we had a framework of getting a bunch of people inside a system and being able to have them connect. So instead of starting from ground zero, we had a code base that we were able to leverage, pull that out and say, okay, this is it. This, this is the nuts and bolts of being able to move inside an environment. Now let's, now let's actually build a great game around the ability to get people to connect inside this virtual environment. And that's why there's not very many companies that have that refined code base considering how new it was. And then we just so happen to be in a room with like me, you and like 10 people where you're sitting there talking about how you wish there was a multiplayer VR game. And it's funny, you're like, you say that I came to you, but it felt like you came to me because we just showed up in this room and you just started talking about it. I'm like, I don't know how many of the people like on the planet could be where I'm at that have what I have that has what you're looking for. And it seemed like just a perfect like Lego set piece of what it was. And so um, that was kind of my side of this, you know, coming there. But I came from the area of being driven and inspired and every time having the mind blown. But at the same time, that one thing that we know about is that someone said this, that gamers are the new gangs, right? And so like online, if you look at it, people can get bullied online. If you look at the toxicity of a lot of these online, highly competitive cultures, they beat people up, they they, they do things. And, and it's like, it's not the way you you can you necessarily need to do it. There's a better way to do it. We can come with love and compassion, but still be competitive. Um, but that's not really seen um, in this gaming culture because it, you know it comes from the genesis of like Doom style explosions, build things up, kill things, and there's and there's just a better way um, to do it. And that's what you know we kind of set out to do. Um, when you were talking about the 30 or 40 games that you went and bought and tried. Were you pissed off by them because of the gameplay or because of the culture around people inside the environment? Well, uh, both. I mean, the, the culture I didn't care about because the, the game just sucked, mm -hmm. in my humble opinion. I mean, you know, you're just like in a game and you're like, the bricks look amazing and like the arrow in your hand is like shimmering, but like the aim and the shooting mechanic of the arrow is just like just enough to frustrate you, you know. Um, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, the no, it's, it's it's totally fair. The part of the thing is some games VR has a novelty to it, and and you're getting exposed to it. And when you try it at first, it's like oh, this is amazing, but it wears out over, over time. It's like the the trough of disillusionment in any in industry, right? You come in, oh my god, food food trucks are cool. The build up. And then you try a bunch, they dissatisfy you, and then they drop out, right? And that trough of disillusionment is alive and well in the world of virtual reality. You come into the space, right? This is cool. Oh my God, in reality, I'm into it. A couple, and that's why 360 video didn't work. You're like, oh, this is it. That's all I can do. All I can do is look around. Oh, that's cool. You never put it on. You never go back into it. You never, because there's no substance there. It's not deeper. You don't have that, that, that the, the value of connecting with people and the value of something that's fun. And uh, one of the things that we've done a lot in our iterations of design and development is follow the fun. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your process of design, process of, of uh, you say that you don't build a lot of things from your, your deep passion, what you really want, but I've noticed a lot of intuitive design practices that you go in and you experience and then you collaborate on those talks. Can you talk to me a little bit about how, how you're, how that's set up for you, how you came to be about that kind of that thought process. Couldn't you ask that differently? Sure. You 
intuitively, there's a couple ways that you can build something. You can you can build out a design to the nth degree and go, this is what we're building no matter what. And you and you you map it all out before you actually build it. Or you can kind of go and experience it and you follow the fun by going through and experiencing it and then reflectively looking inwards to kind of to figure out what what should go next by following by following what you feel. I've noticed a lot of reflective um, uh, introspection that you do while doing design practices. Is that, is that a hone skill? Is that something that you've learned over time? Is there certain mentors that you've had that have taught you how to be able to uh, tap into what you're experiencing and then inwards to be able to make a design decision? So, I mean, okay, I, I appreciate this question. I mean, I'm, I'm like, if I could, if I, if I could ask a like hundred game designers this, I'd be so curious what their answers are. And I guess I, I, I am a game designer now. Uh, with this this game, um, so <clears throat> if 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 anybody were to spend an exorbitant amount of hours in the domain area, mm -hmm. they would start to pick up things they like and things they don't like. Um, and when I like Arena Rivals is like I don't know like my twentieth business, right? Um, and like. 15 of them are no like they're failed they're no longer exist you know that i've got my teeth kicked in a lot and and so i have and i still have my teeth but i also have the experience of it and i um and all the businesses that i've done uh arena rivals is like the most um i have the like this is like it's like laser this laser honed of honed confidence like it, it hones in on exactly what sucks and exactly what's awesome. And I just have this like blistering confidence inside of me. Like, this is what will make a great game. Don't you dare touch it. And like, it's weird. It's like, I, I don't know. I was like, man, like in my other businesses, it's like, well, what do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? And like, what's this customer think? And But with Arena Rivals, it's like, no. I know exactly we'll make a great game and you're not going to touch it. <laughs> so like, I remember when we were building the game once and I had to hone that confidence cause I'm with you and like four other great people in VR and we're all on this thing and I'm getting, the, I've got this idea and you guys were all pushing back on it. And I was like, well, you know, you guys, you're right. I really don't know. And I was like, actually I do know. And I want it this way. And then you guys all laughed. You're like, okay. <laughs> um, and we, we had it kind of done that way and, mm. and it was in my opinion awesome um and our beta testers are giving us feedback that the game is really really fun and i don't need i i don't need feedback from beta testers like i like i like i to, to know that it's fun like it's weird it's like you know i really don't care what you think of this game but i would like if you kept playing like i, I need you i want i need people to play it with me but at the same time it's very different. It's a it's a self it's a self affirming, self affirming act. This what's, thing. What's really interesting about that is there's a couple things. One with a lot of things in the, the virtual reality space is people do virtual reality, and the ways that we've got started is, is out of the sheer joy of creating, experiencing what you've created in VR, and then sharing that creation with other people. Hackathons, game jams, all the things that you consider that. If that's kind of the the essence of what that's about. We're all in this together. We're all experiencing together. We're all feeling the magic and the joy and you give that gift to other people and they're like, oh my God. Uh, at the at the same time, it's like, you have to have a vision. You have to have a like a, something that you feel and it's, it's, a, it's a creation that you give to people. If you, if you take too many ingredients from people, it kind of blands out 
the dish. And I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about when we were all pushing back is you, you thought of a, um, a, a movement mechanic that has never been done in VR and something we call thirst person that was just, we're like, that's not going to work. That's crazy. And, you know, being the fact that I've literally tried hundreds and hundreds of VR experiences and, and just tons of experiences. Like I'm like, I've done tons of crazy experimental things. I've never seen anything like this. This isn't going to work. We're all like, this is not going to work, man. And you're like, I want to see it. We're like, all right. Like we want to, we want to push to say, this is our expert, this is our ex expert opinion. And you're like, I don't care. We're like, okay. And then we did it. We're like, ha, it works. It works. And one of the things that's crazy about this is that I've noticed that in a lot of industries, it's never the people that are deep in the industry that really innovate. It's someone that's crazy enough to, to, to take something that seemingly probably wouldn't work, but actually pull it off. And that seems to be the case that you need to kind of come from the outside of an industry and then actually in, in order to reshape it and remold it. Right. And that was, that was the mechanic. And then after that, we're like, okay, well, let's push back on Dane. But at the same time, you know, he can surprise us because of uh, all of us being VR experts in the space. It was a totally new type of mechanic. But at the same time, I will say this. Uh, people might be thinking, you know, Dane's like, I want it this way. Work for me. It, that wasn't the way you handle it. You handle conflict very, very well. Um, inside a collaborative space that you you give people a lot of room and a lot of area to to you acknowledge their self-worth and 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 things that I've learned and lessons I've learned from seeing you work with the team on you could be passionate about something you could be you could want in a certain way but at the same time you 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 give a lot of space for care caring and kindness and things like that I would love to learn just what are your what are your thought processes when you go into a situation where you want something but other people may not want it. Like what, what, like, how do you communicate that? And, and what does that look like? Because that right there is the essence of like difficult conversations and something that is, you know, uh, one of the things we all struggle with. I, I, I probably just treat people like I would want to be treated. Yeah. Maybe not. Cause that, you could be like, that's a dumb idea, Dane. Like, I'm like okay. <laughs> well, just, just tell me it's a dumb idea. No, the, with the like so but you're it's in pretty, the patch. pretty simple like it's pretty self it's like it's self-serving on some level mm -hmm. like, kindness is like the most neurologically sophisticated thing you could do like like the neurology of kindness there's scientific data out now that shows that if you're in a kind state you work better you're more relaxed you create better results you last longer like you watch people like start a course, start a business, start a program, and they burn out in two or three weeks. It's like every minute they're in there, they're not really kind to themselves. So like you suck at life. You're never going to get this right. You're just going to fail again. Everyone's going to laugh at you. None of that's kind. And without having awareness of that, it'll just, you'll just bury your own, bury your own grave. So I'm just kind because it feels good for me. Mm -hmm. It feels better than it feels. And so like, like, um, so we have like seven chakras or supposedly, right. And, and our chakras are, you know, from the, from the root all the way up to the head and the crown, these different centers, like, you know, your belly and your heart and throat. And, and um, those chakras feel really good depending on um, what energy you put out into the world and what energy you allow and take in. So you notice how, like, if you're ever, like, if, we're, like, if you're ever angry at someone or you say something that's really nasty, 
Mm. Really check in with yourself. You're like, I don't really feel good after doing that. And you just gave negative energy out, but like the impacts in here on you. So the kindness for me is like, I want to feel good. Mm. And if I'm, if I cut someone off or kill someone's idea or crush their spirit or tell them to shut up and take my idea that I end up feeling worse. So it's just that kindness is really cool. Um, it's also until kindness is practiced, it's quite vulnerable. Um, it's actually for most of us and myself included in the past, it's what was cool was who could come up with the biggest diss, who could be the biggest dick, you know, who could, who could slam someone the hardest, like who has the biggest, biggest joke that embarrasses and shames the person the most. And that would get the person that would laugh and, um, everybody would laugh at the person that was getting dissed and the person that was doing the dissing would get celebrated. Um, but that's not actually cool. That's, yeah. that's actually mean and cruel. So, um, but if, if I'm, yeah, so I just, I just like to be kind to folks. It, it, it makes things a lot better. It wasn't like, uh, I mean, it's accumulation of things, right? You listen to someone, you hear their idea and then you just say no. <laughs> <laughs> well part of the the, the um sometimes you lose yourself because there's so much passion especially in game making and things like that people hold on to an idea right and then there's like there's identity that gets attached to that idea and then you know one of the things someone said once is like uh, idea is never as as what was it an idea is never as 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 important as it is while you're thinking about it right you have this super important idea and it becomes like this has to go in there it's my way or the highway you know, you want to be kind, but you want this in here and you're battling between your desires and then your de desires to be accepted amongst the group, which is, you know, the balance between harmony and truth. Right. And that that your own inner truth and that ability to listen to someone else, understand what you want, but then be able to move forward in a, in a pleasant and in a, in a pleasant but also kind way to me is very admirable. You say it's simple. Just be kind. But it's also like, oh, how do you be how do you get in, how do you be super healthy? Oh, just diet and exercise just every single day. Just. Don't need to. And so, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, but there's a lot more to unpack behind that that I think is powerful. And part of the things you're talking about is the ecosystem you step into. It's very difficult in an ecosystem of, of um, uh, shit talking, gamer culture, per se, right? And then, and, and that whole like, you know, the, the, our ancestors, the old school style of chimpanzees versus bonobos, chimpanzees. Uh, support uh, solve uh, power problems with sex and bonobos solve uh, uh, sex, sex problems with power. No, switch that, switch that. So the chimpanzees destroy and dominate versus bonobos are with love. And so there's two two paths you can go down, um, but it's very hard to step into a whole culture and change that from the inside out. And so you kind of have to create a, a safe ecosystem, which I think is kind of a bit of the what we're doing with arena rivals is creating this this kind ecosystem of com com highly competitive gamers which comes from you know you and and you being able to run a community because you say that this isn't your only first rodeo of of gaming you've you've built a lot of products before this um but you've also run a community of people that are trying to build um trying to build software applications or other types of businesses where it gets very emotional it gets very intense. Um, and so how have, can you talk to me a little bit about the foundation and kind of the culture we created there and this type of stuff, and then how that's possibly played an influence into arena rivals? 
Um, yeah. Uh, hey, Archie. Good to have you here, brother. Um, so my heart was hurt a lot growing up, like really, really hurt bad. And I don't want to, I know what it's like for a heart to hurt. And if I like bring someone into a team and then I treat them in some subtle way where they become hurt, that hurts me. You know, like I don't want to hurt people. Like there's, there's no part of me that wants to hurt people unless we're playing a game. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, but that's very powerful, man. Think about that. Why is it in the game? We can heart, we can, we can switch those gears from like, I'm going to crush you, bro. I'm going to knock you off. Oh brother. Good game. Good game. Right? There's, there's, there's two sides of that character that, that you have to live in harmony. Cause you can't just have all sunshine, all sunshines and buttercups and all that stuff. Cause that's not real. But if you're all the, the like dominant thing, that's not, that's not healthy either. So. Well, I like this. I mean, all aspects of the psyche are welcome if they're grounded and authentic, you know, it, it, it's like grounded and authentic. Like a lot of the stuff is not grounded energy. Um, but there, there is something about, um, so one of the things I do when we're playing this game is I'm using these fantasy based battles because we're playing a competitive shooter where we're, we're taking but there's no gore, there's no blood. It doesn't feel violent. It feels incredibly fierce and competitive, but it doesn't at any time feel violent. Like we have people that want to show this game to their daughters. If that gives you an idea for the, the, the tenderness of the game yet still being fast paced. And I have a, a friend of mine who's a professional, professionally paid Quake player, like one of the most violent and gruesome first person shooters online. And he's one of the top ranked players in the world. And he's been inside of Arena Rivals and he thinks this is a great game. He like he enjoys it. He likes it. Um, so it's, it's this, it's this, I just want to say like, it's, it's, um, there's few things that I would say this about. I would say, I know how to make a great game and I would bring that to my deathbed. I would not say I know how to make a great business, even though I've done enough of them and failed at enough of them. I would not say I know how to make a great business with the same degree of confidence that I'd say, I know how to make a great game. And I got to tell you how refreshing it is. For, 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 for me to live in such a state of power and confidence with something where there's so little uncertainty. Like I have zero uncertainty with Arena Rivals. It's squelched. It's like what I have in Arena Rivals is like, this is my domain. It is my game. It is this vision. And then I bring other people in that are like, this can be yours too. Your idea is welcome. Let's see what you want to do. But I am watching every idea with like this, like axe, if you will. And it's like, okay, bring it in. Okay, I actually hate that idea as I hear it, but I don't say that. And then I say, can you tell me what you're after with that idea? Mm -hmm. And then they'll explain like what they're after with the idea. And then that'll come up with some other innovation that happens, right? But there's this weird thing, like I don't have this with any other business to the degree that I have it with arena rivals. It's like, I know how to make a great game. I'm very confident in that. And I'm fiercely protective of it with the other businesses. It's like, Hey, do you like this? Do you not? And then you mentioned, so you mentioned about wanting self-acceptance from the group. Mm -hmm. Well, self-acceptance from the group at the cost of a rejection of yourself is no longer self-acceptance of the group because you're part of the group and you've now rejected yourself. So there's not self-acceptance. So like if you think of self-acceptance, like first here and then you go group acceptance, 
Like if the group accepts you, it's dangerous territory. Like it, cause then if your, your unconscious bias is like, I really want to be a part of this group. So I'm not going to speak my voice. Now I have that. I have that in groups that I'm not that like, if I go into a music group and I'm like, okay, I don't know what actually makes great music. I'm not quite sure. You know, I got chords and I want to play guitar and sing, but like, I don't know what makes great music. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen, but you bring me over into like arena rivals and games. And it's like, you ain't coming in. This is my shit. And I know what I'm doing here. But it's because I have like probably 10,000 plus hours gaming. And it's because I played games. Like one of my favorite games of all time, like I played it religiously, was Splinter Cell on Xbox. And it was two, it was two spies versus two mercenaries multiplayer. Mm -hmm. And so it was two on two. Most games in Xbox were four on four. They were very busy. And then you get Splinter Cell that comes out and it's two versus two. Two spies versus two mercenaries. And it was the most fun game I'd ever played in my life. And it was a very thoughtful game with classes, different classes. And, and like the spies could creak up behind the mercenaries and like grab their neck. And then you could push the white button on the microphone and whisper in their ear, whisper in their ear, <laughs> and be like, ha sucker. And then poof, and then like <laughs> crack their neck and then run away. And it's like one of the, it's very hard because you try, you sneak up behind a mercenary and the little down arrow on the mercenary thing says something's behind you. So a mercenary will turn around. So you got to walk real slow and then poof, get up and grab that. And me and my college roommates, we watched the game. I was like, guys, I got someone's neck. I got someone's neck. And, and they'd come over to the mic and I'd hold the white button and they'd be like, you've been exposed. And then I go, when we <laughs> and it was such a fun game. And the sequel came out and he was even better. And then I loved that even more. And I was like, this is so much fun. And the third sequel came out and they just butchered it. And I was miserable. I was like, Aww. you just took it, the dream of my life in the game and you just completely butchered it. So I had these experiences where I was like, I know what makes really fun, great games. And I'm going to be just really, really protective of that. Um, it, it, it's nice. I just encourage anybody that has like, if you have this thing that you're really frustrated about and you're like, no, this is how it should be done. Give yourself the permission to say, no, this is actually how it's supposed to be done. But if you find yourself wanting group acceptance over self-acceptance, that's just a sign that you're probably not that confident about what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, we have this primitive thing deep inside of us. The rejection from the group equals death, right? And so if I get rejected from the group, then I die. Insert that in anything, in a, in a personal relationship, in a, in a group situation, all those things. And so... The the I say something to this? Yeah. Besides so BS. Yeah? Yes. So how so you don't think that we're tribal because it comes from a tribal nature. Tribal creatures. You come into the tribe well, and you think we're talking about like a family and your food and your shelter and stuff. But like if we're talking in like a business context and stuff, like if you don't have yourself, you've got nothing. True, but your brain doesn't know the difference, I would say. If you if you if you in any, context, in any context, I would agree with this, but arena rivals, I don't care. Like it's, it's like, you don't, I don't need acceptance from anybody for this game. Sure. But that's like, that's a person who's truly free that, that right there, you've, you've gotten to a certain level of certainty, which is powerful and liberating. And people get to those states of true freedom. That's why if you look at things like Burning Man, people have their full self, they go completely free and they know they're going to be accepted and they run and they, their whole heart is open. Inside Arena Rivals, you run with your heart open, right? And and you have a certainty in it because of the the breadth and depth of playing games, 
and knowing what you love, which is so powerful, so powerful. I highly, anytime I talk to anybody getting into VR, I go, what have you played? What are you passionate about? Show me what you love, right? Because if you don't, then you're like you're like a vegetarian trying to open up a burger truck, right? And so that you have that that both both of those um, there might be three legs of the stool, but the two of the legs is your depth and breadth of gaming and that childhood love, and also your depth and breadth of the entrepreneur world of understanding how businesses tick. Because you've approached this arena rivals from a business perspective, I don't normally see from people. They just go, "VR is cool. How do I get into it?" And so bringing those two legs of the of this three-legged stool all together is something that is, I think, really unique. Oh, wow. That's cool. I mean, I I, uh, I want to give everybody permission. Like, whoever listens to this is like, allow yourself to be confident where you're actually confident. Mm-hmm. And for that, like this game thing, it's a very new experience. Like, I'm not used to it. Like, I'm, I'm starting another business in tandem. And that business, my confidence is like a third. You know, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to screw this up. How do I get this right? Because I haven't done it 10,000 times like I've done a game, mm-hmm. you know. So in that, I'm more tentative and I'm just listening and I'm waiting for stuff to be shown to me. But not in Arena Rivals. It's like, it's, um, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. And the other thing is it's like, let's try it this way. Let's try this and see if it works with the arena with arena rivals is like let's let's do it this way because mm-hmm. arena rivals is literally, literally like almost every feature from every game i've ever loved my entire life i'm literally blending the favorite things i've ever experienced in every game and if i could like think about like your three favorite games that you guys have played mm-hmm. like games imagine if you combine your three favorite games into one you'd be like oh my god i would drool for that mm-hmm. well now imagine me combining like you know 10 of my favorite games into one I feel, and it's funny, there's, it's funny that a lot of the, we'll say young males or probably females as well, you have these childhood memories that, 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 that seep into your soul of, of, you remember the good times. If I could clock how many hours of Halo that I played with my friends and that those magic moments when you call in the roommate over, check this out, there's, there's this, there's this magic it, it leaves on you. And uh, one of the things that reminds me of Arena Rivals is an old school game from Super Nintendo called Super Metal Warriors. Super Metal Warriors, you got to play. I don't remember that. There was like three different character. T- There's, I think, a couple different character types, like a fast flying one, a big heavy one, and things in between. And you do battle. And when one one ship got destroyed, your little tiny guy, the size of a pill, would fly away to hopefully find another ship to go get into. And a lot of arena rivals, it reminds me of that magic of being the kid. It's it's being able to take that nostalgia of what you love and bring it into this future environment that just like remind you of being a kid and there's there and, and that's why i think that a lot of the magic is and reason why like like we love it and the team loves it and the beta testers love it there's there's i think you've taken elements from your favorite games but also pieces of our games um and put it together in a in a, in a, in a so, thing that we want to play yeah so like let's just like pat, pattern recognition is like the great skill for success mm. like the, the 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 folks that are the most successful have generally speaking the most clear and distinctive patterns. If you look at the experts of any industry, those are the folks that know the patterns. You know it like, hey, we got Bitcoin doing this. Let's go to this expert and see what he has to say. And they'll tell you nothing more about the patterns. Um, And you're like, oh, wow. So if you want to start to rise to an expert level of an industry, just start recognizing patterns. One such pattern for this is let's say you, um, you use a lot of form software like quizzes, input forms, email, lead capture. 
Mm. And you, you're, so you're using like a Wufoo form builder and you're using Google form builder and you're using, you Google online form builders and you're survey monkey and all these forms. And you went to all of them and you took your favorite things from each one and blended it into your own unique form builder. That's essentially how we've done arena rivals to a certain, to a certain extent um, is you're taking your favorite things from every place and, and, and bringing it in. And a lot of times, a lot of times these fast growing businesses are old problems solved in a new way. And um, the good example of that is Wufu forms, W-U-F-O-O. And they started back in like 2008 and online forms were older than dirt, but they had a new spin on it. And then within 10 years, they sold that for 50 plus million. But it, they were like, you know, one of the hundredth business ideas to that space. It was already really crowded and competitive. And same with this Arena Rivals game in VR. There's plenty of VR games. There's even multiplayer VR shooter games in Arena Rivals. Um, but it, we're ta I'm taking all the favorite things and blending them into one. And it's really nice. It's really nice. I'm curious for the folks that are still listening, mm -hmm. if you have an area where you actually would like to really hear us talk about like say, talk about this. Um, I want to hear about this topic for anybody that's still listening. Um, I see we got around 10, this thing shows 10 folks watching. Mm. Uh, but if, if you guys would take a moment and say, I actually want to hear about this or like, I'm like, you're spending your valuable time with us. And so like, what would make that time really well, really well spent? Yeah, please fill it in there. And wherever you're coming from, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or any of those other places, any comments come streaming through to us. So um, we we will see your message. The while we're waiting for that, one thing I'd, I'd love to chime in on while we're waiting for this comment to come through is sometimes uh, fear, doubt, uncertainty, things like that do creep in, right? But then I've seen you use different tools, tactics, and ways to actually kind of get clarity and calmness to be able to actually bit wash away a lot of that stuff to be able to kind of listen to that inner voice where you you listen that you listen to your heart and you say, okay, this is what we need to do. Yeah, one of the things I've seen is like say the hand heart meditation. Oh, how do we get access to your beta version? Um, well, Michael, uh, just to let you know, the the way to get access is if you look inside the the comment threads. If you go to, I'll type this in, um, go arena rivals um, dot com, you can actually go there and you'll be able to fill out a form, and then we'll put you through the steps to get onboard you as a a beta tester. Um, yeah, and Michael, thanks for your interest. We're honored to have you. We we hope that you feel loved, truly, and appreciated every moment that you're in that game. Um, so it's, it's an honor to have your interest. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's really important because we are. Um, great question, Judy. Hi, Judy. So, um, so uh, one of the intentions, very clear in the game, is that a player feels loved every minute they're in the game. And now that sounds, well, just, just most games that you're put in, um, they will subtly introduce lack-based consciousness into you, right? You know, games will start off and it'll say, prove your worth, maggots. Or, you know, they'll do these small things that like, you're like this inferior thing that's unworthy and insignificant and inadequate. And so you now have to like prove yourself in the game. And, and when you come into this game, it's nothing like that at all. Um, and, and so we're actually subtly programming ways so that when you when you're done playing the game, you actually feel better than when you started. 
Um, and that intention is that you feel loved every moment in it. And one of the things, one of my favorite things that I heard was when my mom saw the game, she said, it's so beautiful and so bright and vibrant. I just want to be a part of that world. And that's what my mom said. Um, and like that, that's a very clear intention. So this is a game that's built through and through with every fiber with tremendous love. There, you can feel the love in the game when you come into it. And um, it's not, the game wasn't built with, um, all right, what's the hottest selling game? What's the hottest selling topic? What's the hottest selling niche? Okay, it's Fortnite's the most popular game in the world. So how do we game the system? And how do we make a game like Fortnite? We'll change a couple features. Oh, we'll do this thing that Fortnite's not doing. And then we'll go build this. And then we'll launch this game. We're not trying to manipulate a formula to be successful. What we're trying to do is express love through a game. And it's, it's very, very different. And um, I encourage everybody just like, so uh, Dylan, you asked this head to heart thing, but if you, if you put your hand behind your neck, behind your neck and feel your right hand um, behind your neck, and then you actually notice like soften your hand, you're like, oh, my hand was actually tense. And then you take your left hand and then you put it on your chest and then you're like, oh, you know what? My chest is kind of tense. And you soften your hand and chest. So you just take one breath here. And then when you take a breath, notice if your body actually tenses and your hands actually tense on that breath and you can actually kind of command it to relax a little more, like relax. And so I'll take another breath while you relax. And you might see like there was more tension for me when I breathe, take a breath there. So we'll do one last one. And then we can just get to this root where it's like, man, I really want people to be happy. And that's a really strong desire for people to be happy. So that means when they put a headset on and they enter into the game, the colors are bright and vibrant and they produce happiness. That means when they walk across the dock and see the island, they feel happy. Now, if you look at most VR games, they're in dark settings. They're not bright and vibrant. They're kind of like drab, most, most all of them. There are, there are like, you know, maybe two out of 10 games that have set of that bright appeal, but it's really important that people be happy. So we have a designer and the guy that's designing the game, like he, he, we're, we're, we're honored. We have him. He's, he's designed the art. He's designed the art for Lucas arts and Lucas films and star Wars and things like this. And, um, I, t I tell him, it's like this running joke is like, put your hands here. And then what, so what happens when you put your, your hand behind your neck, and you soften and you breathe, what you're subconsciously saying is connect my brain to my body. And if you connect and it's, and you're, and you're saying it's safe for my head to connect to my body. As soon as your head connects to your body, you'll probably soften and become more kind because it's in the body's nature to be kind. And one of the fastest ways to come into your body is to be kind to yourself. Yeah. And, and, and that can be kind of difficult. So now you go like this and then you get your hand on your heart then you um, get what's called heart-brain coherence, and you get everything kind of working in one facility. And then when everything's working in one facility, you can kind of, with a relaxed nature, bring your best work to the world. So I did that with a designer. I was like, do this and then make the design. It's, it's something that when people get spun up, whatever that might be, they get racing thoughts or then they're in a different space, it's very difficult to, to have your true voice come out. And I've noticed that as, as that heart, head, Thing that we've done we've done as a group we've done as a team done it with individuals that type of that type of movement actually gets you to 
hear a voice that speaks softly versus the monkey mind racing all around. And it's very, it's a very powerful um, system or um, framework yeah. for that. And you don't, you don't actually have to, um, like the voice is there. Mm -hmm. like it'll just, it'll just appear. You don't have to like work hard for it. You have to be brave enough to slow down. The voice will be there. Be willing to listen. And uh, yeah, be willing to hear it, eh? Yeah, and to answer a couple of these questions um, coming yeah, in. Can I, can I go to Gareth first? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so Gareth, hey man, thanks for asking. Sorry to keep you waiting on a question. And guys, please let us know what you want to talk about. Like, I want to, I want to share as much as possible. So, any nuggets of wisdom you can kind of take away and start planting seeds for your own life. So, um, Gareth says, I'm interested in what to do if your passion is not monetizable. In my case, experimenting with robotics plus VR. Um, considering doing something entirely different for pay and doing that as a passion. That's a darn hard question. <laughs> yeah. I, that's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So what I've seen just in, in that area is a, a lot of people that want to get involved in the, in the, in the virtual reality world. I ran hackathons, game jams for a number of different um, organizations, companies, universities, and things like that. And what I think is I've noticed at least in, the, in that area is just showing up and doing work and building a portfolio of content. Um, and it could be from hackathons, it could be your own side projects. You start to get a taste of what those things are. Sometimes a lot of people spin up on one idea and they'll spend years just thinking about it versus actually getting out there and producing it and showing it to people. People get the siloed effect where they, they don't show people the thing, their ugly baby. And so they, they think what they have is novel but if you actually come out with robotics and there's, we've done, we've done hackathons with this type of things where there's been robotics and VR. I've seen death battles where they duke it out, where the two robots go on and they put on the VR headsets. There's a lot of ways to do this, but you can join content creation events where you see other people using robotics and virtual reality in combinations. And that will inspire you on what works for you. Then you just have to find a place that that fits. You know, how is that, how is that something that, that lights you up, but is also of service to other people. And so, in the in the world of robotics and VR, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do around training and automation and other things. But it's really what what lights you up. But you need to build up a portfolio of work if you're looking to get some credit in the space, unless you have some way to have resources to be able to supply a long development cycle. Hopefully, that answered that at least from my side on the technical nerdy build things up in the world of VR space. And Gareth, I actually just Googled for the heck of it how to make money in robotics and VR. And they were like the top post was five ways to make money in the VR space. Um, so it's actually a question that's answerable, by the way. Um, so I would, I would, I would think about that. Yeah. Um, the uh, how are we going to monetize it? Well, we'll just sell the game outright, and then we'll have in-game purchasable upgrades. Like if you want to like dress up your character, put a cool shield on his back or something. Or... Yeah. The, the you know the. There's a lot of different platforms that you can go in. If you don't know the different platforms, uh, just as a high level, there's the Oculus and then there's Steam. It's the two primary markets. So you can go on the Steam platform, which is a bit easier to get into. And then there's the Oculus Rift, which means it's a VR headset that plugs into a computer. And then there's the Oculus 2 or Oculus, uh, Oculus Quest 2. Uh, that is the Quest Store. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently came out with an article saying that he believes that the Quest 2 is going to be the first VR headset to go mainstream. Mainstream is an actual uh, definable number of 10 million headsets. He thinks his 10 million headsets need to go out into the marketplace 
in order for it to be so common that the likelihood that your friend has one is, is common. And so, you know, looking at the, if you build and looking to monetize, getting a, a VR application on a bunch of different platforms, um, the, the Quest Store being one of the top ones, I think there's been up to date now 60 games inside the Quest marketplace that's done over a million dollars. And so there's huge potential, but much like the Apple Store, how it's there's a higher standard to get into, there's a higher bar of quality that they want inside there. So charging for games, getting into platforms, seeding that content everywhere. Um, there's a bunch of different strategies like that. And uh, one okay. final, I'll go for it. So, uh, oh, well, you have one final thought? Uh, one of the places you can put it is there's VR arcades all over the world. Uh, Sweet Escape is one of the games that we have. It's in a whole bunch of arcades in North America, I think Europe, uh, South America, and it's now like China. In-person in -person arcades. In-person arcades. You go in there with like, you know, six to eight of your friends, or, you know, maybe you're on a date with another person. You have a select games that you can pick from. You go and play that, and then they charge, um, you charge them by the minute. And so depending on the game, it could be between, let's say, four to eight cents a minute. Um, and that's kind of the standard rate inside the 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 VRcade space. Um, Dylan, what's like the, t so Michael was asking for the total cost to build the game. Um, so Michael, it's, it's, um, it would probably sticker shock you if I told you. And if I actually had known the final amount, I probably wouldn't have done it. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I'll spend 60 grand to build it. And Dylan was very generous and we worked a deal out where that would be three months three months to build a game. And I was like, I'm only doing, I'm only doing 20 grand a month. I'm stopping at 60,000. And then once it got to 60,000, I saw this game and I saw the potential and I was like, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So by the time that we release it, it'll be somewhere between 200 and 250,000 invested in the game. And it's, that's, that's, um, that's a that's a a serious amount of cash for me to invest in addition to like all my other businesses and things like that. Um, but I'm it's like every month that I pay the bill, I feel like I'm saying yes to a dream. And it feels amazing. Yeah, it feels incredible. And what's what's interesting on that is that the because we've had the code base and we've been developing it for years, I mean, we've dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars um in our own development time and to be able to build out a code base to leverage that i think another game like if you look at like population one um i think it took three years and six million dollars to build out that multiplayer game and so you know it's and we'll be sick we'll be like six to seven months and under under 300 grand yeah yeah so that's the the leveraging on on being able to have the code base and also just um lean and mean you know because there's the once you hit the 10 million mark is when AAA studios, big companies are going to start throwing top dollars at it. I know, I think it was. Once you get the 10 million and spend, what do you mean? 10 million headsets. 10 million, 10 million headsets means that there is a an ecosystem large enough that the big gamers like the AAA development studios will be like, oh, that's valuable enough for me to spend $20 million on a game to bring it into the things like uh, right. Valve made Half-Life Alex. I think it was $20 million. I think it was. Now they did do $60 million total, which was a blockbuster hit and by far one of the biggest games out there. And it's a lot of demand for that, you know, being Half-Life 3. Um, but and, 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 and Dylan, like with this amount, Michael, like one of the gifts, it's like everything I've done in my life has prepared me for this moment. So I've got, you know, I'm 20 businesses in, 
lots of failures, um, millions of dollars made, millions of dollars spent, and uh, pretty substantial income for myself, for the businesses that I worked very, very hard to set up. Um, and so like I'm at the apex, I've got all, momentum is really important. I've got all this momentum. So it's like I worked hard, I learned software, I'm not writing software, owning software, and I did all this and I got to this apex point and then I got to use all these skills to pour into a VR game. It was like all these conspiring events leading into making this game and I had all this momentum. So this is not where I would start. This is like, this is, you know, 15 years in the making. And um, since I understand software, I understand how to communicate features and I understand very strategically, I've been very, very, very precise in my mind with how I wanted to make this game so that, so that it was highly efficient to build. I didn't build things that would have complex trees that would take, you know, hours and months of coding. I put together like the simplest version of the most fun game I could imagine. And that was very intentional. And that's a lot of the reason why the cost is lowest because I have an acumen for what would be, you know, appropriate to budget wise and stuff. And that, that, that's something that I, I haven't really said out loud before, I guess. And there's something, there's something else to consider with this is um, as I'm talking out loud, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm realizing that making games is very easy for me. And um, it's worth me, like I'm reading Steve Jobs book right now. We can't wait to have you, Michael. Um, well, I'm reading Steve Jobs biography right now. And that guy was fearlessly himself. And he was also unapologetic about it. And he was also fiercely confident in what he wanted. Like he knew, he's like this, this. You will do this, it will look like this. Don't you dare do it that way. That is garbage and crap, stop it, do this. And Steve was very precise with that. And the land where I happen to be precise is in games. Now the reason um, I never made a game before is because I, I thought, you know, I had a belief that it would take millions and millions of dollars. And I also didn't see a need to make a game because I thought most of the games are out there I could play, that I, I enjoyed the games I was playing. But then as I aged and matured and stuff, um, I realized the games weren't satisfying the need I had anymore. And then industry timing is really important to consider. So um, we're at the beginning stages of an industry for VR. And in the beginning stages is when the little independent guys have a shot. Yep. And so this is the time, the timing is literally everything is just about divinely timed and perfect for this. Cause in the first say, I don't know how, what the years would be like, say two to seven years of an industry, the independent players have a shot. And then, uh, you know, in the next 15 years, all the big players come in and just crush the independents. Now you, you could go into an industry as an independent, like say you're a local internet service provider. When the internet first came out, there were all these little ISPs going out everywhere and you'd buy an internet service provider from one of 20 guys in your city. Then Mediacom comes, Comcast comes and they just crush all these guys. And you get all these people that are bitter, like, oh, this is unfair to the man. This is, a, this is nature in action. And so right now we, are, we have a chance as an independent to establish ourselves as a player in the industry. So the timing is really critical for something like this. I'm well aware of that. So what we're doing is we're building this game as quickly as we can. As soon as we make enough money, we'll probably double the team size. We'll build out the game so that by the time the big players come in, we'll have such an established and baller game 
that will be able to play and compete with those guys. And that's that's all in my head as well. 100%. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people, you can make, if you look at Beat Saber, it's not a complicated game, but it's something that that you can make at a hackathon or something like that. But they just, they nailed they nailed the core loop very, very well. of something that, that people love, rhythm, and it puts you into that flow state that got you there. So one of the things I'd encourage people, especially if you don't have a large budget, something that you'd be able to make, you, you know, you've made several successful businesses and all those other things, you can go, uh, you can do virtual hackathons or other types of events where you get together with a team and you produce a core loop, some sort of micro experience that, that is pleasurable. And then the, there's stages of the evolution of a virtual reality product. One being, you know, the ideation. The other one being a, a little hackathon weekend prototype that we've done. You know, uh, uh, us and Dan, we we built that little prototype. And then you got to scale that out to actually being functional to get to closed beta, then public, and then you know full release. And so there's there's these tranches that you kind of have to get through, and you need resources, you need enthusiasm, you need discipline. There's a lot of things that takes that takes along those steps. But I've seen people in hackathons build an interesting concept and then get be able to show the traction in that and then be able to get the funding or the resources out the door. But it's about leveraging your resources as you work up the thing to full release. And we just so happen to be in an ecosystem right now. Stan was talking about if this was five years ago, there was no marketplace. When I was building those things back in the day, we were we were just building things to build things and we'd show them to our friends. But we're at that point where the ecosystem just became around. Everything's just starting to grow. And it's can we get into the market and be able to claim a space that is that is kind of wholly our own. And if you can build an e a fan base and ecosystem, people around this this shared joy, then that thing will, will self-perpetuate. That's the thing about the games is, you know, people do it because it's fun and they want to. And and the what a lot of people do in like League of Legends and other types of games is they love the game, but they hate the culture. And so they have all these survival patterns around that. And that's something that we try to get away from and try to build in um, into that. So hopefully that, that helps with some insights on how to get well, like, very, very practically speaking, we're going to use the game to help you build a positive brain. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that focus is we're going to have something called the creator of champions in the game. So you go and you talk to this, this little bot, it's the creator of champions and you, you click and you talk on him. He says, Hey, what would you like to become a champion in? And you can say self-kindness, self-responsibility, self-discipline. And so you click self-kindness and it'll begin by telling you some of the science of kindness and how important it is for your brain. And then when you select that, then you'll go through the game. And every time you load into a new world, you'll be taken into like a 10 second loading cocoon with a very powerful fact-based quote on kindness that you contemplate. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then every time you finish a game, you'll be taken into a self-kindness prompt That'll prompt you to have a kind thought about that game. And then you'll start subtly programming yourself kindness while you're playing a game. Once you get the self-kindness track done and you've got that achieved and you're a champion at that, then you could choose self-responsibility. Then you could choose self-discipline. So you could actually install the traits of a very, po very positive character traits while you're playing the game. It's a very specific feature that Dylan and I are extremely passionate about designing and um, and and Dylan has Dylan's done a lot of research, and Dylan's read like academic, um, collegiate level reports on like the emotional impacts of games, and and um, so imagine um, like imagine joining a game where you actually develop willpower in the game. So like you you come into the game, and um, as soon as you come in, it says, "Hey, welcome to Arena Rivals. How long would you like to play today?" And you're like, "You know what? I want to play for ninety minutes." Boom. 
said, all right, the timer's starting. When 90 minutes is up, we'll let you know. And you have five minutes to leave within that 90 minute window to get a reward of a crystal that you can then use to buy something cool with. Um, and then as that 90 minute window comes up and they're in the heat of gaming and they want to go another two hours, we'll put up a quote about how willpower is developed by making decisions when things are difficult. And if they make the difficult decision to leave that game right now at that time, they'll actually build their willpower in this game and out of the game and they'll get rewarded for it. So we're actually going to use games to improve the quality of, of someone's life. So that we have, you know, um, wives of husbands and parents of children that are like, I'd really like it if you went and played that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that you're, you're touching on really powerful is that, and I think a lot of gamers all know this is that, uh, especially multiplayer online games, it makes you feel a lot. You feel you feel amazing, then you feel terrible, and and ultimately, Victor Franco's man's search for meaning. He said the, you know, really the the power of man is the, it's the response to stimuli. It's whatever, however you choose to respond to the stimuli in your life determines, you know, what the quality of life it is that you have, and in these games, you can feel like a champion, right? But you can also get crushed by other people. But in those feeling moments, how do you how do you decide to take action, right? Do you rage quit? Do you shout at the person? Do you belittle them? Do you make them feel terrible so that you can feel better? Or do you choose a better path? And is this something that instead of you innately trying to do it and hold it in your own, we want to create a culture, an ecosystem inside there to actually inspire you along a better path versus actually, you know, just trying to, you know, whip through and, on your own side. So have a culture built into it, essentially. That's so wonderful. I was thinking, you know, as you go to the creator of Champions, he says, what would you like to become a champion? And you could actually pick positivity. And, you know, for folks like me who have had bullied history, sometimes depression can fall onto my brain, right? From, from the anger that I feel towards these folks for hurting me that I haven't processed yet. And that anger turns into, say, depression, and I haven't processed it yet. So it might come out as depression. Well, one of the fastest ways I found to actually heal myself and see more aspects of myself as when my brain's in a positive state, I can actually look at trauma more clearly. So imagine, and we're not trying to heal people's trauma in this game or anything, that's quite a risk. But just for myself example, say um, I struggle with positive thinking. So you go and you select positive thinking as the thing you wanna become a champion in. And then it really gently helps retrain your brain over time into becoming a positive one. So now let's say you lose a game but you've selected the positive thing that you're becoming a champion at. Um, it says, even though you lost the game, can you name one good thing you did? And the person's like, oh, actually, you know, I did that one thing pretty well. And now in a loss, in a failure, they're trained to see the positive. So say they do that enough times, and then they go out into the world and they go to a job interview. And at that job interview, they just get slammed and rejected. And they're on their way home, and like say their mom calls. And they're like, well, you know, I, don't, I didn't get the... I didn't get the job interview, but, you know, I, I felt like I did this one thing really well in it. And they're able to bring this positivity. And, and when someone is able to see the positive, the positive component in a negative situation, it's uplifting for, for the entire planet. You know, you've got songs like What a Wonderful World, right, um, and how positive that is or Happy by from that Despicable Me movie, you know. Um, I seem crazy what I'm about to say, da, 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 you know, sunshine, she's here to stay or whatever it is. Right. So like that song's huge. It's, these happy, positive things are they mean so much to us. 
Um, and, you know, and like, and, and, and as, as a collective society, it seems to me, myself and others, we seem to be scared of positivity. Like it's, it's, it can be frightening. It's like, what are you doing? It's a risk. You, don't you know your heart opens when you're positive? Don't you know when you're vulnerable, you're going to be attacked? Like there's these things that happen very quickly on the unconscious. And we can gently train people into a positive, positive state of mind. But like the guy that was saying, what a wonderful world, he actually had people come to him and say, he's like, yeah, what do you mean to such a wonderful world? All these wars, all this, whatever, bro. So some wonderful world this is. And, you know, how do you respond to that? Well, if you're triggered into the same level of consciousness that spoke to you and you're in that negative state, you're going to have to try to like wrestle and maneuver. And he's just, he's like, well, it seems to me the world's actually pretty wonderful. It's just actually the people in it that are causing the problems. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that, that kind of stuff, that means a lot. So that's kind of the heart of the game. You drop into the game, you pick your class, soldier, hunter, priest. You're playing, you're playing with your friends. You're building a positive mind. You're becoming a champion in these components. You're, you're, you're meeting new people and having fun and making friends. And you're playing a game where, you know, we're going to be investing a portion of our profits back into helping gamers that are struggling with mental illnesses. We're going to be investing a quite a substantial amount of our profit into redeveloping and making the game better and adding new features. Um, you know, somebody asked me, they're like, so, What's your end game with the game? Is it to make money? I said, no, it's to give. It's to give more to gamers. It's to give to the folks with mental illness. And sure, I'll take, I'll take uh, out of a self-love act, I will receive the fruits of what, what I've built uh, and what we have built. We'll all receive the fruits of it. Um, and yeah. do, you, do you feel like there's, um, when you're talking about who you're serving, I mean, are you imagining when you're building this, like a, a young Dane out there? who's struggling for connection and self-acceptance or ultimately <laughs> who's this, who is this for? Like in terms of you're looking at this, like in your mind of like, who's this for and what do you want the outcome to be for them? Well, it's cheeky, but it's like, first you really need to have a first, it's, it's someone who really has a thirst hmm. for competitive, fast placed, fast paced action. It's not someone who wants to go on a single player experience and enjoy. It's for someone that wants to come in and get tested. Their skill against another human and they must win. Uh, so it's someone that has that kind of acumen for a game. Um, and then within that, it's someone who wants to have a positive experience throughout and not have the and not necessarily leave frustrated at the end of it. So um, those would be kind of like the too but I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a particular proclivity for like the hardcore gamers that just love to play these competitive shooters and they just they're questing for competition and they're thirsting for this it's like in their it's in, it's in their genetics like they're like i must compete there is a weird it's a game of competition it's a game of competition it's not a game of a single player adventure yeah well the difference between competition and domination right the, the ability to say look i want to play because i want to challenge myself i like i like the growth i like the leveling up i like i like the camaraderie i like there's something about high-fiving your friends when they do a great move and when someone else gets you like oh great job there's that joy in that competition and at the same time it's there is also uh so much value in the if you get destroyed being able to come from a place of oh well, that was a powerful learning lesson. 
instead of you cheated, you know, then you rage quit or, you know, like my brothers would do, they'd turn off the Nintendo halfway through playing it because I almost beat them at the wrestling game, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think (laughs) there's a way to actually have the competition and kindness at the same time. Um, So do you like with this, as, as you, as you envision this out and did you see this as expanding out into like beyond just a, a competition ecosystem or is it is it is it is it is it more is it more than a game to you or is it just a game that's really fun that that teaches you life lessons what is it what is it to you oh my goodness um it's a it's a kind of like it's kind of a lifestyle really it's like you say you know i'm gonna go play arena rivals and you're kind of you're committing to a lifestyle you're committing to a lifestyle of greatness you're committed, like, you know, you use the game and you use battle to, you use these fantasy battles to reflect on parts of your character that don't get revealed in the real world that get revealed in VR. So like, are you like more sarcastic in VR? Do you get angry easy? Well, if you get angry easy in VR, you get angry easy in all parts of your life. So like for, to use a game to like, when I'm playing the game, I will at times reflect and like say, how am I showing up in this game? And what does that show about a part of my character that I could reveal? to grow in my life. So arena rivals is really about folks that are committed to a lifestyle of greatness and greatness. Isn't like, um, you know, the cover of a magazine. Greatness is, is true mastery over self. That's, that's the kind of greatness I'm talking about. So you're, when you say a yes to arena rivals, you're, you're saying yes to mastery of self, but you're also saying yes to having a real damn good time. Like this, it's, it's, it's a fun game first, you know, it's, it's very satisfying. You go in with a soldier and you're aiming and your your right arm is connected to the whole camera. So you get immersed in and you take your right arm and you shoot a rocket at a character and he pops up in the air. And then while the guy's in the air, you switch over to your shotgun and you're going up to him, boom, and you shotgun him while he's in the air and you're connected to this whole thing and they run away and you toss a grenade in the direction he's running and then boom, they explode. And this whole time you're getting hit and attacked. So you got But you got a healer behind you and the healer's shooting and shielding and, and protecting you while you're going in and throwing a grenade on the ground that's got an area of effect heal that you can run and stay in while you're in the enemy. So like you've got the soldier with this giant shield that can go and then the healer can the healer and the hunter can come behind the guy in the shield and you can feel this connection and feel this camaraderie and feel that you have a place and every person is critical in that place. And and every class is so critically designed that each class can actually kill each player if they play it correctly Um, and so it's just this joy of a game where you get to feel this sense of connection and it's one verse one and two verse two and three verse three battles because those are the games that are small enough where you can feel your impact and you can feel that you matter in the game you get into four verse four games and even five verse five games it gets kind of hard to feel like you matter in that game there's that there's that trifecta fit and the there's a just a a human thing of having dynamic or different skill sets and working collaboratively. But at the same time, you, it is a very well-balanced game of being able to say that any one player technically could take out the other players. It relies on the skills of the team. And 
if you if you work better as a team, it's much more powerful than a bunch of solo people running off in their own directions. Often I know when we start to struggle, we stop communicating. We stop talking. Everyone just runs off in their own directions and try to do their own thing. But the teams that can talk the best, that can communicate the best, that, that understand the skills and strengths. You know, if the if the uh, healer gets stunned, the soldier jumps in front with a shield and he's like, I got you, bro. And then the hunter leaps over the top and hits him with a tree. He's like, I got you. And then everyone starts jumping on top of each other. And it's that collaborative um, watching out for the fellow person while reacting to them and almost working as a synergistic unit that feels so good in the game. And uh, and it's very, very rewarding on, on a deeply primal, primitive, tribal level. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> nice, very, very good, Dylan, yeah, that's awesome. So, so I know we're getting here towards towards the end of all of this. Um, uh, what other- give me, give me one sec, you, you talk to the group, I'll be right back, okay? It's gonna go, I'm gonna go pee outside. Too much information, but but that's why I'm leaving. Yeah. See, he's draining all of his knowledge. He took it all in, and now he's just he's just letting he's just letting all those toxins flow out of him right now. But this is Dane. This is this is the game. This is Arena Rivals. Um, I've been building a virtual reality multi-user for a number of years now, and this is one of the most fun, powerful, connected games that that we have ever built and or have experienced. Truly, and it's one of these things that. I think the average uh, beta testing play period is about two hours. So people go in and they'll play until the headsets die. And to me, looking at gameplay and looking at people, the timeline it takes for people to play and, and keep going, it's really it's a really incredible thing. And also, while Dane is out answering the call to nature, feel free to type in any questions that you have, any final thoughts. Are there any dying or any burning questions that you really want to want us to answer as we go through this or as we start to wrap this up? We want to make sure that this is answered for you. And at the same time, you can go to arena, you can go to goarenarivals.com um, if you want to sign up to be beta tester. Hey, Dane, how was that? You feel better? Yeah. Okay. yeah? <laughs> Lighter on your feet? Um, yeah. I asked the people if they want to ask anything else, any last questions, feel free to type it in. Um, but I would love to uh, kind of give you the stage and say, you know, what's what's any final messages? What's any words? What are things that you want to communicate to people either about this game or just life in general? Well, some ideas you got to work really hard at, right? They take a lot of gusto and um, other ideas kind of feed themselves. And then you have some somewhere in between. Arena Rivals is a game where I haven't had to exert my force of will for it to happen. It's been, it's been a self-creation thing. It's been created on its own. So it's also been very slow from my standard of bit, like I'm not used to the pace. So Arena Rivals has actually helped me, building this game has actually helped me develop a much deeper form of patience. Uh, Cause you know, I, I would, it'd be like Tuesday and I don't get to play till Friday. And I'm like, oh, oh the game be done. Oh. And I'll breathe and I say, this is what patience is. This is the actual experience of patience. And if I'm impatient, that's going to stress the team out. That's not a happy team, ultimately, right? They're like, crap, we don't want to fail this person. They're stressed. They're setting these restraints on us. So um, this is a game where I have had to learn surrender and let the game get built for me it builds itself. The game really builds itself. Um, and like, uh, and patience and being alert enough 
to know when I'm being su supported by like a higher power or a higher energetic current that wants this game to exist. My, my favorite spiritual mentor said that every idea that exists in this physical plane existed in the spiritual plane first. It already existed and we're bringing things through from the spiritual plane into this. And some ideas really, really, really get a lot of support to get built. And other ideas are just so narcissistically driven by the ego that you're fighting reality the whole time. And you can, though you can make those work, but this is um, one of those games where if you get the gift to connect to something that you get to bring through from the spiritual into the physical and, and learn patience, like they're very little thing. There's like, like, like just, just listen to these facts. Dylan came to me. I didn't have to find him. The designer for the game is the lead design was was one of the lead designers for Star Wars and Lucasfilms and the Clone Wars. That's a, it's a killer designer. He has also ten thousand hours at video production and editing, so he can make really great game trailers. It just so happens, mm -hmm. the the game the the programmer is like the lead developer on projects where network code issues are broken, and he's like the guy that they bring in when multiplayer code breaks. And the developer quality to be able to come in and fix broken code is a significantly higher skill than someone who can just code from scratch. And we have um, this game producer who's organizing everything, who's actually deeply passionate about all the same games that I am and understands how to make a great game. Then you have Dylan, who's literally driven and committed by excellence itself, has all these high architectural standards for the game, multiplayer code base already created. Uh, in the game, like all this stuff has just been given to me to build this. And because I believe that the, the higher realm really wants to see this game exist. And this is the kind of stuff like when I start a business, I enroll every force in my favor. I am, I enroll God, I enroll angels, I enroll nature, I enroll my emotions, my heart, my spirit, my sexual energy I enroll, my mental energy I enroll, my higher self energy I enroll. I enroll all, all of nature conspires in my favor because I ask for help on all planes. And so I get all this amazing things happening. Sometimes, other times nature's like, we, we don't need this, we don't want this. This is, you can feel the friction, right? Um, and so there's that that happens alone, okay? Then three weeks in, Oculus themselves contacts Dylan and says, hey, we um, have this start program where we really help developers make successful games on our platform, and it gives you a serious edge and advantage to getting onto our platform. Would you like to be a part of our start program? And that gets gifted to us as we're doing this. Um, and then now we have like some of the top designers and top people at Oculus coming to check out the game. And there's hundreds of developers all clamoring for that attention and they're and they're coming to us and it's um it's easy because i don't know that's that's the thing it's like i don't like we, like i like i teach a lot like you, you don't get we don't really get to decide what works yeah there's it's funny they say what is it um luck is made out of hard work. I mean, we've, you know, I've been on this VR path for a number of years, right? And it's taken a long time to kind of get to where we are. You've been on the entrepreneur path for a number of years, but then all the things kind of came together at that moment 
where all of a sudden this door opened up for the both of us that we didn't know we weren't expecting it was just it was just like this is what you need to do and very rarely do you get those opportunities at least from my perspective to step through a door that was this clear you know this apparent you know uh, and all of the pieces come together that's why when we looked at our team we looked at you and we were all looking at these things we're like oh my god this is this is everything we need to make something um that is going to be meaningful to us and and something that that is going to be bigger than each one of us put together and it's and it's just I have so much gratitude and appreciation um, for the universe and all of this uh, to come together to allow us to do this. And, you know, people that want to get on this path, it's you can do it. There is a whole wide world of opportunity out there. There's a whole wide, you know, uh, virtuality is the Internet with the face. And there's someone on the Internet that's going to make a billion dollars tomorrow. that's going to figure it out. Right. And you can do it, too. It's just getting congruent with your heart and then being brave enough to show up try fail again and again and again because i've made things that are terrible and that's a whole other podcast in the story and you do that and you learn and you grow and you get your skills up and you and then when you when you start to live from the place of what you love and what drives you and excites you and and the critical piece you are of service to the other person because then you're talking about a situation of this is my game at the same time you are hyper protective of people coming in you mother hen them in a way that's loving and caring and like hey i want to protect this so finding something that is of of importance to you that makes you a responsible character for other people is a very powerful and ultimately what entrepreneurship and, and these types of games are is being of service to other people and i think it's very very powerful I think so. that's why I think that's why I'm protective of the game. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like because it needs to be. It's partly because it needs to be my idea, and and it's, it's it's like there there's something in me that's getting healed by bringing the depths of my soul out into a game, and that's important for my healing. And so, like I'm doing this to heal a part of my self image is that that's nerdy, lonely gamer. And that gets healed every time someone comes into the game and plays and we have a good time together. It's like, wow, I brought the depths of my being out into the world in this game and we're all enjoying it. That's very healing for me. You know, it's very healing for my mom to say, this looks like a very bright and vibrant world that you've built. When the bright and vibrant world is something that I've been seeing in my soul for a while. She's, it's like very affirming. It's very healing for me to do. Um, but on the other hand, the, the protection for how the game needs to go is because I want people to feel loved in that game. Mm. And that's, I don't, you know, I don't know if gamers are like game developers are thinking about that. You know, they're like, let's make a game. People play, let's make a game. I don't, I don't know if they're given permission. You know, I think that's one of the challenges is that in life, especially with men, you get two feelings. You get, you get angry and you get good. Like that's it, you know, or mm, I'm, you know, I'm turned on. Like that's, that's your range that you're quote unquote allowed to feel. In, in, the, in the areas and and in the gamer space, you know, the reason why there's some of this toxicity is that people don't get a chance to feel their emotions. They don't get to feel love. It's 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 hard for um, a lot of guys in this area to, to look at them. So I love you, you know, if it's not their girlfriend, not their significant other. And but we all crave it, but we're not given permission in a lot of this culture to feel it and express. It. And one of the things that's beautiful about this game is it creates that space to love and to be loved, to be able to look at someone and, and, and say, I love you. And and I care about you and I'm here for you. I'm gonna support you. And if you fail, it's okay, man. You might suck right now and I love you. Let's do this. And that's that's something I don't think exists and why it feels so good for us to be in this game, right? And and, and do you feel that if 
by creating the love for the people, it, it's 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 healing because it allows you to love yourself more deeply. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I just were like, I want people to feel loved. Yeah. I know in a world where lack of consciousness is is very rampant, gaming. The yeah the the lack of consciousness and the also the I feel better by shitting on you, right? That right there is just one of the the most you know toxic and destructive, and it just closes hearts because then you just start to you know like armor up. You know? Do you know the Joseph Campbell um, uh, Golden Buddha story? Have you heard of that story? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say it for anybody that's listening, I haven't heard of it, but, um, there's a story about like a monk village and in the, and in the monk village, uh, there's this golden statue, this golden Buddha. Right. And then one day, uh, one of the monks comes running up, they're like, the Mongols are coming. The Mongols are coming here. They come watch out. And then they're like, oh, we got to flee the village. And what happened was, they're like, okay, we got to leave, but there's this giant golden statue. If we leave the Mongols come, they're going to take the golden statue. We can't have that. So what do we do? It's a conundrum. They're like, okay, I got an idea. What if we, what if we cover up the thing and make it not look golden, but look like something ordinary, so they don't want to take it. So like, okay, so they rub a bunch of mud and dirt and sticks and trees, and they make it look like an old, dirty Buddha statue, and they run away. So sure enough, the Mongols come. They look around, they see an old, dirty statue, no mine, and they they take off. Years later, the monks come back to the village, right? But they completely forget about the statue until one day a, a little um, a little monk child is bumps up against a statue and a piece flakes off on the hand and he sees that the hand is golden. And so he runs up to all the other monks and goes, the gold, the Buddha's golden, the Buddha's golden, the Buddha's golden. And then come to find out, they're like, oh my God, they come and they tear it all off and they see it there. In fact, the Buddha is golden. And essentially what that that's a metaphor about is inside every one of us, we had an inner child, a bright and shiny inner child, someone that, that seeks to be loved, to be connected with, to play with, to express their emotions, to to overall just, just to be in their true self and their true beauty, to shine their light and to be accepted for who they are. But because of the fears and the doubts and the threats and the trauma and the wounds from life, we cover ourselves up with this fake armor to protect ourselves, seeking that we will be so um, unworthy that we'll just go by unnoticed. And the point of life, and I think a lot of what this game is, is removing that armor that does not serve you to let your own inner light shine, your own inner light of 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 kind competition, of love, of connection, of camaraderie, of friendship. And those are all the things that we seek, but we don't give ourselves permission to feel out of the fear of the trauma of whatever happened to us as a child. Yeah? Hell yeah. So, <laughs> so that's most of the time we got. Dane, is there, I know I keep going on here, but I love talking with you and I just, I'm like, one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, is there anything else that inspired you to say before we wrap this up and let people know how they get a hold of you or anything else you're up to? Mm. I just want them to check out the game, see what they think. Yeah. Go, go arenarivals.com is just a landing page for the beta now, but around the 1st of March, if you're listening to this after that, we'll have a trailer that you can watch. Um, that would be it. I, I, I just hope they've learned something and 
I don't usually do these podcasts where it's like, this is why we're great and this is what we're doing and we're loving people and so we're so awesome and I know how to make a great game. And what I what I hope you take from that is how could you speak similarly and how could you apply love to your business? And you're like, you know what? Am I actually loving people with this first email? No, I'm actually trying to take and get from that email I'm sending. You know, people know when they're feeling loved and they they spend money pretty heavily where they feel that deep appreciation. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel love for sure. That's beautiful, man. Well, Dane, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you coming out here and, and sharing this. And uh, yeah, typically we don't uh, talk about this on the thing, but it's one of the things that it is. It is something that's meaningful and and it's something that we're proud of and, and inspired to create. So, uh, you know, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your love. I love you, brother. I appreciate you. And um, I will see you inside Arena Rivals. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.